G'day, I'm Jamie Mackay and today we have a very special podcast about risk factors for subclinical hypocalcemia and associations between subclinical hypocalcemia and reproductive performance in pasture-based dairy herds in New Zealand. I'd like to introduce veterinarian Dr Scott McDougall. The floor is yours, Scott. With the low levels of clinical meat fever here in New Zealand, you might think that subclinical hypercalcemia is really not an issue. Well, think again. What I'm about to tell you is that we have been able to show that up to half the cows in New Zealand, in fact, have low blood calciums within two days of calving. In a recent research study, we set out to answer three questions. The first was, what proportion of animals have a low blood calcium around calving? The second was to what the cow and her level risk factors for low calcium might be. And thirdly, does hypercalcemia affect subsequent reproductive performance? So we enrolled 1,050 cows from 76 spring calving herds in the Waikato. We visited each herd once or twice within the first couple of weeks of the calving period and bled 10 to 15 cows. Importantly, we did not enrol sick cows or those that had been treated. We also collected information on the age, breed, calving date and body condition score of the cows. Additionally, we subsequently picked up the mating and pregnancy test data for these animals. We also interviewed the herd owners and asked questions about what and how they were feeding their cows before calving. And we also asked them about their trace element supplementation, particularly calcium and magnesium supplements pre and post calving. What we found was that about a third of the animals had blood calcium less than two millimoles a litre and over 50% had blood calcium levels of less than 2.14 millimoles per litre. But there was enormous variation in the proportion of animals in each herd that were hypercalcemic, ranging from zero to 100%. In terms of the cow level risk factors, the important ones were the age of the cow and the number of days calved at the time of sampling. But there was also an age by days calved interaction. So as we might expect, the risk of hypercalcemia increased with age and decreased with the number of days calved but the effect of days calved were much greater in the older than younger animals, with the proportion of hypercalcemic animals in the eight-year-olds nearly halving between the day of calving and two days later, whereas with the three-year-old animals there was no effect of days calved on the risk of hypercalcemia. At the herd level, the factors driving the proportion of hypercalcemic animals in each herd were Firstly, the feeding of maize or grass silage, both of which increase the risk of hypercalcemia. The second was the use of postpartum calcium starter drenches, which reduce the risk of hypercalcemic cows within a herd. And finally, the herds using the lowest amount of magnesium prepartum had the lowest prevalence of hypercalcemia. When we looked at reproductive performance, there was no effect of hypercalcemia on the first service conception rate, the three-week submission rate, or the three- or six-week in-calf rate. So pulling that all together, what this tells us is about half the cows 
in this population, New Zealand cows had low blood calcium if we use the 2.14 millimole per litre cutoff. But the prevalence varied enormously amongst herds. At the cow level, age and day of lactation were the key risk factors. At the herd level, those herds feeding either pasture or maize silage had a higher proportion of hypercalcemic animals. This might be related to the amount of potassium in silage, particularly where grass silage is being fed, or potentially lower calcium concentrations in the maize silage. What we don't fully understand is why those herds that fed a low level of magnesium prepartum also had a low risk of hypercalcemia. This is a bit counterintuitive, as we would have expected to be the other way around. This is because it's been really well demonstrated that the intake of magnesium before calving is important in terms of synthesis of parathyroid hormone and vitamin D3, both of which are important in allowing mobilisation of calcium from bone and increasing gastrointestinal absorption of calcium. So what this might be is an example of reverse causality, as those herds that had a previous history of milk fever may have tended to use more magnesium. But if there are other risk factors for hypercalcemia, magnesium alone may not have been sufficient to solve the problem. Finally, we didn't see any effect of hypercalcemia on reproduction. But there's a few caveats around that result. As by design, we had excluded sick animals and the heifers and had only enrolled animals calving the first week or two of the calving period. Hence, enrolled animals had on average 11 weeks between calving and the planned start of mating and plenty of time to recover from hypercalcemia. So the take-home message is that hypercalcemia is relatively common here in New Zealand but varies enormously between herds. Thanks very much for listening. So there you go. I didn't realise what an issue subclinical hypocalcemia is in New Zealand. Thanks for the heads up, Scott. I'm Jamie Mackay, and this podcast was proudly sponsored by CalPro Bolus. See your local veterinarian for more information.